I am so excited to be partnering up with Gorillas again this season. The original sexy grocery delivery app is revolutionizing online shopping. Fresh food delivered to your door in minutes, catering to all your food needs. Operating in nine countries around the world, Gorillas supports small businesses as well as local producers to bring your favorite brands to your door. Run out of wine during the dinner party? Gorillas can sort that. Run out of eggs for your Sunday morning pancakes? Gorillas can also sort that. Don't believe me when I say how great they are? Then download their app and get £10 off your first order when you spend £20. Use the code SEXY10 at checkout and thank me later. Hello and welcome to the Crazy Sexy Food Podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Harley-Young. This podcast is all about the love of food and how it plays a part in our lives. I sit down with well-known personalities, food experts, chefs, and people who just love their food to find out all about their life, career, and their favorite tastes along the way. Today, I'm joined by one of the most respected and acclaimed chefs and restaurateurs in Great Britain. Marcus Waring may be known for his job on the telly as one of the judges on MasterChef The Professionals, but he has forged a career that involves working at, owning and founding some of the best restaurants over several generations. He has a Michelin star for his restaurant at the Barclay Hotel in London, won numerous accolades such as Tatler Chef of the Year and GQ Chef of the Year, and he is showing no signs of stopping. With his ninth cookbook out only a few months ago, as well as a new show in the pipeline, Marcus could be considered a national treasure. It's a real honour to have such culinary royalty join me in my kitchen. Marcus, welcome to Crazy Sexy Food. Nice to be here. Thank Thank you for inviting me. Um, Before we recorded, Marcus actually gave me some fabulous cooking tips. I'm currently (laughs) slow cooking a shank of lamb. Um, and if, it, if, if it's not good later, you'll be getting a call from me. It smells great. I can smell it as soon as I walk through the door. It's like, oh, interesting. I thought you were making a soup. A I know. Mulligatoni soup, but it's not. It's a, it's well, an if you come back dish. at seven tonight, you can come and join us for dinner if you want. Um, how are you? How's life treating you? You've got lots going on at the moment. I'm good. I'm very good. Thank you. Um, great to, to be in what is effectively a, a new year of 2022, albeit we're in February now, but... It just feels like there's some change on the horizon and there's a bit of light at the end of the tunnel, which is great. So it makes the feeling of the last two years feel that they they were grim. They were tough for my industry, but tough for everybody. And so it feels great. 2022, hopefully soon the sun might be shining. Yeah, (laughs) let's hope so. Um, I always ask my guests, what did you have for breakfast today? I, I don't know. I had there was a bag of. Very interesting looking muesli on the side that my wife had left out before she went to a Pilates session. And that never happens normally. It's the first time I've seen it. So I had a bowl of muesli, which I've not had for years. Was it nice? No. <laughs> no. I felt like I was eating rabbit and your like, teeth are full of oh, oats God, yeah, and things. I'm yeah. like, I need to wash my You're mouth out. You're spitting out powder. Yeah. So yeah. what do you normally have for breakfast? I normally miss it. I normally give it a miss. Yeah. If I'm if I'm coming if I'm going straight into work, I'll have a cup of coffee and, I, and I'm off. I just get into a tunnel vision mode when I'm going into the restaurant or going somewhere. If I'm not, uh, a bit of toast maybe. Don't really do cereal because I think it's just a little bit too much sugar in them. Mm-hmm. Uh, very much look at what I'm eating. Coffee always. Uh, weekends I might have a sausage sandwich or a bacon Ooh, sandwich. Or, yes. you, know, you never know. If someone's up for frying that up, uh, <laughs> I love that. Or you know, every now, every blue moon, you know, maybe a full English. Oh, okay, lovely. 
So I want to bring it right back to your childhood. Mm. You were born in Southport. I want to know what life was like growing up. What were you eating? Who was cooking? Was food important? Sort of paint the whole picture. Very simple, very straightforward. Dad was a workaholic, so dad was working seven days a week. Mum was a housewife, brother and two sisters, uh, and a very big crazy dog. Um, And house-proud mum, everything was immaculate, everything was clean. When she washed and ironed, the ironing was perfect. Um, And food was always a cooked meal. Uh, lunch was never really ever discussed or we never really did lunch in our house it was a have a bit of breakfast and have a massive dinner Uh, lots of fruit lots of veg lots of potatoes at every meal always a cooked meal always with mum my dad was never there for my cooked meals he was always there late at night so he would come in at 11 o'clock at night and have something cooked by mum or or warmed up but it was very straightforward it was school it was work and it was a bit of downtime repeat and repeat (laughs) And repeat. No so, no complexity, nothing. And bear in mind, back in those days, there was there was only three or four channels on television, so there wasn't really a lot to do. Yeah. God, that makes you feel old. <laughs> My God. Three or four channels. So, like, these cooked meals, I mean, what, 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 what was on the table? Okay, so always weekends, every weekend, roast dinner. Yeah. Without, without question. Um, we, mum was always pork chops, lamb chops, liver. There was always meat. Uh, lots of vegetables, always overcooked, nothing had bite, nothing. Everything was pureed if it needed to be. <laughs> Gravy was cooked within an inch of its life. <laughs> very simple, very straightforward. Mum would bake a lot. Okay. She would she'd always batch bake. So, for instance, apple pies. Uh, my dad would have a load of apples left from the warehouse, cook into a stew, freeze it, put it into a pie, freeze two or three pies raw. And then every now and again, she'd just pull one out the freezer, stick it in the oven, and we got an apple wow. pie. Custard. Lovely. Oh my gosh, yeah. I mean, what an amazing childhood, yeah, especially sort of on the culinary level. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously you're being fed incredibly well at home. Was it evident as a child that clearly you obviously enjoyed your food, but that you would even see it as a possibility to train and become a chef? That's an interesting question because it, it, I, I never felt there was a plan. I never felt there was an interest in food. Food was just beautifully cooked. But yet, when I look back on it, overcooked, which means it wasn't beautifully cooked. But to me, growing up, it was absolutely delicious. Every now and again, mum would would give us a couple of quid and we'd go to the chip shop for for some sausage and chips. Um, On a birthday, we'd get the chance to maybe go to a Chinese restaurant or or a little uh, um, French restaurant in Southport because my brother was a chef. Okay, so Mm. we, we knew a little bit about the restaurants in the town. Um, but life was simple, life was humble. So food tasted great for, for many different reasons because I think it's because I saw mum in the kitchen every day. Mm. Uh, and I think, you know, I've been asked many times actually, now you come to mention it, I think cooking started with mum and it had to be baking. Whenever she baked, I always used to remember standing by her on a little box, uh, just watching what she was doing, always licking out the bowl at the end of it because who doesn't? Of course. But always very aware of what she was doing, always very aware of what she she was always making so much at any one time. Like baking was either once a week or once every two weeks. So it's not something she did every day. Right. So she batched, baked everything. So I saw this massive sort of cooking going on in, you know, in the kitchen. And I think, I, I think my interest started there. Mm. Working with my dad... From the age of 11, I was allowed to go to work with my dad after school. So from 11 up to 17, I was always working. And so I also had a part-time job in my brother's kitchen when I was 14. 
So I had these jobs all the time, always busy and always active. So I had the best of both worlds, working with dad uh, and working with my, with, with my big brother in a kitchen. And then I guess, where was the shift when you suddenly thought, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to catering college, I'm going to do this? There was two things in my life, working with my dad or working with my brother. Oh, boxing was the, was the third thing. But from a job point of view, I knew boxing was not the job I ever wanted to Why? do. It bloody hurt. <laughs> So tell me about your boxing career because it's the little career that you. So what? Where did that all come from? Brother, it was my it was my right. my idol. He was seven years my senior. I was an individual. I was quite shy as a young boy. Okay. I never went around in groups. I never had a group of friends. Never had any friends at school. Never had someone I could say that's my best mate there. Because every time I left school, I went to my dad's warehouse. Every time I left school. I went somewhere, boxing gym, warehouse, or at the weekends to kitchen. So I missed that. And people often say, God, you don't have any friends. I had, I've had an amazing childhood. And I met, mm. you know, I went to a warehouse where there was wagons and trucks mm. and men and, and jokes and going out on a four-lift truck, truck on, onto, the, onto my dad's private land and, and doing things that kids, other kids didn't do. So I had a different type of life, really. And, but the boxing was the sport from the age of nine I started because... Um, my brother went to a boxing gym and I loved boxing. Muhammad Ali was the man of the moment and it was it was a YMCA boxing club and I joined and I, and I boxed from the age of 11 competitively till I left at 17. And I liked it, believe it or not, because it was an individual sport. Yeah. I didn't rely on anyone. There's no team sports in my yeah. thinking. That's why I did it. That's so interesting. Mm. I really identify with that. I mean, I had groups of friends growing up but I always had terrible friendship issues and I've realized in my later life that actually all the things that I love doing are just me mm. you know like yeah. even being self-employed can be quite lonely but I don't find it lonely no nope, I, I and listen I love my husband but honestly I like my own space yeah. and I'm interestingly saying... my husband used to be a boxer as well really yeah but sort of again he he was actually fighting up in Sheffield but um he, that also ended uh, <laughs> for various reasons so you complete catering school, you go on to work for some, you know, incredible restaurants mm. such as at the La Gavroche with um, Albert Rue um, in 93. Yeah. What was that experience like? Because now you've you come down to London, you're yeah. kind of in the hub of yeah. this it, major city. It was scary. I left London, I left Southport when I was 17, just about turn 18. And I went to the Savoy Hotel for a year and a half, just almost two years actually. And then I entered that, I left a five-star hotel with 100, 10, 11 chefs. And I walked into a three-star Michelin Gavroche, 23, 24 chefs. And life was never the same ever since that because the two experiences were chalk and cheese in two completely different environments. Um, the three-star Michelin was all about attention to detail and discipline, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Whereas in the larger kitchen, you were a lot freer, a lot of work, mm. bulk work, quantity work, banquet work, room service, a la carte restaurant, all sorts of different things going on. But the three-star Michelin was all about the precision on the plate. And it reminded me of my father and the precision of his work. He may have been a fruit and potato merchant, but he cherished absolutely every ingredient that he bought and that he looked after and sold. So as he's buying it, he's storing it, he's nurturing it, he's looking after it. It's like that banana there over there in your fruit bowl. Most people say that that's not good enough to eat. It's brown, <laughs> it's got dots all over it. That's got flavour. My dad would say, cut that up, put some custard on it, delicious. But a lot of people may throw yeah. that out. But you're a foodie, you need that. <laughs> Pineapple looks that, great. That poor little yeah, banana, being picked on. hell. I know, and I'm looking around your kitchen and it's amazing, oh, but that God, banana... I know, it's so sad. 
it stands out from the crowd. This huge pineapple next Great. to it, which I don't even know what the hell I'm doing. But with, the reason anyway. why that banana stands out because that's in everyone's fruit bowl, and I yeah. guarantee you, a lot of people will throw these things away. My so dad would never do that. I'm an absolute advocate. I don't throw anything away. I mean, it literally has to crawl to the bin if it's, be, <laughs> if it's being chucked away because I just one, and I'm not going to bang on about the whole sustainability. Thing, but yes, that. But also, as you've just said, for me, I look at that banana and I think, you know what? I might get a few others to go a bit overripe, and mm. I'll make a fabulous cake. I'll make, yeah, some, oh, yeah. you know, why yeah. you'd or never, a nice smoothie. Yeah, you'd never make a banana bread with a, a really, you know, brand new. That's per- that's it. There. That's a perfect yeah, flavor. In fact, that's probably the best thing sitting in that bowl right now. <laughs> and, 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 and yes, and, and the most important, you, you've had the same upbringing as me. Yeah. It's your your family lifestyle. Your parents are probably the same. Yeah. Nothing. Everything and that costs comes money. from my mum too, yeah. 100%. And, and so it's, it's within us and it never, ever leaves you. Yeah. And it's the same. So when I went into professional kitchens, I had six or seven years of that type of training. So when I went into the Savoy as an 18-year-old cook, I'd had six, mm. six seven years training that mm. no other chef had around me. And that's how I think mm. I stood out a little mm. bit more than others. I mean, you've literally worked with sort of anyone and everyone. You know, it, it's quite incredible. You know, you've worked with Gordon, you've worked mm. with um, obviously the Ruse. Sort of touching on that sort of era in the 90s when I guess the chef world, especially sort of if we look at people like Marco Pia White, it was mm. very intense in those kitchens. People are being yeah. thrown around left, right and centre. Um, do you think that style of training chefing working in a kitchen still happens nowadays or do you think things have kind of calmed down a little bit things have changed a lot i think things have changed for for not because that's how it shouldn't be done Mm. that's how it was done that's how it was that's how kitchens were and they were pretty cool places yeah they were hot tempered but we were cooking on top of a stove with heat we put food in the oven we were cooking on fire. We were cooking with hot kitchens. Energy was 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 huge, and tensions used to rise. And that's how it was. Kitchens have changed. They've become the cook would stand behind a kitchen wall and was not seen. It was a private place. Kitchens that walls down now. Kitchens are open. Chefs are at the front. Kitchen. You go every place you go now. You can see the chef in the kitchen. kitchen yeah. But I think the science of food has changed the way in which food is cooked. So in this modern world that we live in today cooks aren't cooks like they used to be they are followers of a guideline they're followers of a recipe whereas when i was cooking we didn't follow recipes we did it with our passion with our feel with our taste with our touch it was a completely different way of training so i think the modern day chef is a different type of chef and i think we'll find that they're not as good at what they're doing i was just about to say for that what reason do you kind of i don't think they will be i'm quite old school in my, and i feel like mm. i i for me like even just as a home cook I will look at recipes, but I use it as sort of inspiration. And then I'll just go out and work it out. Like, I don't understand people that don't taste as Mm. they cook. So many people I know. So what? So you're going to make the whole meal and not try it? Like, like I just... I know. And and it's very similar to what chefs are like at the moment because they're following a system. They're following, put it in there for this, take it out for that. But where does that come from? We... The industry has possibly seen the education being removed and the following of, of, of an idea rather than the creating of an idea. And I think that there's a work-life balance that is a demand these days in the modern chef or the mm. youth or the, the, the period of time that we're in today. And 
as a father, I look at it and think that's absolutely fine. It's not the way I did it. It's not the way I want to do it. Um, but I do think that there's nothing wrong with work-life balance if everybody's happy. Yeah. It wouldn't make me happy. Yeah. You know, a 16-hour day was my day. Uh, but if that's the if that's where we are at the moment, that's absolutely fine. Mm. Speaking of mm. the, the old ways of, of cooking and whatnot, you earned your first, first Michelin star at 26 years old, mm. which is incredibly young. <laughs> Does that come with pressures? I didn't know at the time. I didn't. I, I worked with Gordon for many years. I'd worked in some great kitchens, Gavroche, uh, Savoy, at the Point, Amsterdam, various different hotels. Uh, and I entered the kitchen as the chef, as a head chef. Uh, I was brought back from Paris to open a restaurant with him. And I was 25 at the time. Um, and literally seven, eight months later, I, I was, you know, given this accolade. It was never my intention. I actually didn't think about it. I, 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 I knew Michelin and the importance of it, but I didn't realise that I was going to cook to that level. I was just focusing on getting up and running and, and, and just cooking and trying to build a team. Um, I was hyper-energised and hyperactive at the time, so I, I, I sort of went through cooks like, you know, you throw paper towel away. <laughs> And I, I spent more time to trying to deal with man management than actually focusing mm-hmm. on winning an accolade. But it, with that came this precision of what I did. And so I won an accolade through constant continuity and consistency and good cookery. That was the day a bag was put on my back that was probably one of the heaviest things I'd ever carried. And it was a weight of that accolade. And I never realized at the time the importance of it. And I just learned to live with it. Mm-hmm. And it was a bag that just got lighter and lighter as the years went by. And I, I had no problems carrying it. Mm-hmm. I can just imagine, I think it's with sort of anything, even like in the sporting world, you know, I speak to, to, to athletes and even having certain accolades behind them on that, it is, it's, it's, it's sort of there yeah. on your shoulders, kind Huge. of, it's, it's, a, it's a big one. Something that I've always been interested in, I, and I know there is a big change as well. I mean, when you were sort of rising up the ranks, mm. were there many female chefs? No. There weren't yeah. many female chefs at all. Um, you had the River Cafe. There was no real female chef that stood out uh, that I can remember, unless it was Delia Smith on television. But from the culinary world, God, actually, I love her. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Angela Hartner. She was by me in the in the aubergine kitchen when Gordon was opening there. So Angela Hartner was there. Angela Hartner was my sous chef at Laurentier and at Petru. Mm. So, so I've worked with her, but she was for the first of, of of very. She was one of very few, to be really honest with you. And it was a lifestyle. That lifestyle balance didn't work for anyone at that time. She happened to find a way that worked for her. And how, how she committed to that, I have absolutely no idea. I remember when she walked into the kitchen. She 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 was 25, 26, I think she was. She was about a similar sort of age to Gordon. Um, she had been to university. She'd, she got a degree in history. She was a very smart lady. And we were like, what on earth is, are you doing yeah. here in what was considered to be the hottest, hardest kitchen in London at the time? And uh, she, we actually, when she came to do her trial, we all like we were like, even Gordon was like, what's this all about? (laughs) And we we sort of ran this weird sweepstake. We didn't actually do anything, but we said, how long, guys? Right, we're going to give her a job. How long? And I gave I gave Angela two weeks, uh, and uh, (laughs) she lasted way beyond that. She just kept going and going. And when she knew about that, she was like, I don't care what anyone thinks. She had grit, she had determination, but you know, she approached the kitchen with an intelligence that saw her through a tough, tough, tough place to be. And I admire that from her. Mm. And I think she's inspired many, many women to come into the industry. Oh my God, completely. I mean, I have to say, you know, male, female, 
I, because some people have asked me, especially as I've sort of embarked into this industry as well, I guess, people have said to me, you know, why, why did you never want to become a chef? Honestly, and I know it might be an incredibly weak answer, but I don't think I'm prepared mm. for what would be taken from me in terms of dedicating yeah. so much of my time and energy. And actually, we were kind of, again, talking about this before recording. My life as a photographer mm. has been incredible, but it's taken away the love slightly. And okay. I love food so much and what I'm worried about. And may, I don't know, maybe I'm, maybe you feel the same or not, but doing what you love, does it then take away a bit of that love, if you know what I mean? Yeah. So if I was to become a chef and, and do that every day, I would I appreciate going to a restaurant like I do now? You would. You would appreciate it, but I think you you know when you want to be a chef. And if there's always a halfway yeah. argument, then you've made the right decision not to be. Because you see a lot of people, they they take on board this passion. I think it's, I want to do this because I love food, I love cooking. But I love cooking and I love being a chef are two completely different things. Mm. And so you either want it or you don't. And I think to be a chef... Uh, or in the industry you've got to start early you've got to want to do it from a very very young age you want to go straight into catering college and be a young person totally. in, in in that world and if you don't like it you can move into other things absolutely so you you if, if it doesn't feel right no don't do it yeah i mean the only thing i'd love to learn is how to chop properly <laughs> maybe i'll go and that's do a, a, little, a little call because that's a skill that i really need <laughs> unfortunately i've got long nails yeah, yeah, so I, don't think, I don't think that's going to work in the old no, kitchen they look too nice to to spoil <laughs> you can tell i'm not a chef oh, lovely <laughs> um moving sort of from the kitchen to tv you joined master chef the professionals yes. in its seventh season as a judge now kind of what i want to know is when you're judging these contestants what makes someone stand out what are you looking for because there are lots of great cooks out there. Yeah. But kind of back to what we were talking about. Yeah. What makes a great chef? Well, it's very interesting because the the chefs that walk on into the studio um, are the almost almost unsung, undiscovered heroes of an industry. They are the backbone of a, of an industry who probably would never get noticed or recognised if they hadn't walked onto that set. First of all, when I set my skills test, I'm looking for three key skills. It's the way they chop something, the way they approach well, a dish. I failed that one. <laughs> yeah. Or the way in which they understand the process, the way they work. It, it, people all think, well, they haven't done the, they haven't cooked a dish. It's not, it, it, it's not great. It's not good enough. We as chefs, my, myself and Monica, we look for how they react, how they, how they adapt at, to this challenge. Do they know what it is? Because it's, it's generally always based on something that we think they should know. The process of MasterChef, I don't know what it is, but the journey just seems to bring them out. It just mm. seems they go through this path and then as they go through this sort of maze, this light bulb moment keeps going on and flashing and flashing and they start to open up their imagination. They get off the tunnel vision of life that they're on of maybe boredom, not too sure, don't like my job, no one tells me if I'm any good. And all of a sudden you've got this constant feedback of your food, your creation right there in front of you. You've cooked it, I'm tasting it, I'm telling you what I think. But within that critique is your pathway to how to succeed in MasterChef. And if you listen to what we say, your journey will be fruitful. If you're prepared to come in with an open mind and take on board, and we will take you through the journey. When you see them start to discover their own mm. inner passion that they've never had opened up before, it's life-changing. 
It's it's one of the most moving things I see face to face, and it happens to be filmed. Really? Yeah, it's it's extraordinary because they hang on your every word. But do you know do you know where the eureka moment is for them? It's not in the studio always. It's not when they're creating the dish. They have all of that. They have great flavour. They get feedback. The real eureka moment is when they're sat at home watching themselves on television. That is a mind-blowing experience for somebody who would never, ever be in that position because you get to see yourself, you get to hear your voice, you get to see the feedback again. You go through this whole emotional process and there could be a loved one sat next to you, your wife, your husband, Mm -hmm. your partner, your mum, your dad, and they are in, in heaven that you're in this competition. And so my thinking process with the chefs are, if there's 48 chefs or 32 chefs, let's say 48... I have, we have only one winner. It's how you send 47 home, feeling positive about the experience. Not, it's not just about the winner. It's about life experience and going away thinking I can go and build on what I've just done and what I've, what I've just been through on the Massive Studio. So they can go away and spread some love into the industry. That's what it's all about. It's easy to kick people. It's so easy to tell people they can't cook. Yeah. Give them something to go and work on and become better. Have you ever been in a situation where you've sort of, let's say on like, well, we're watching it as obviously mm. episodes and you know straight away who you think? Do you know, you think you know, but you never know. Mm. Because at the end of the day, it all boils down to three plates of food. Yeah. And it's, can I get to the final? And if I get to the final, have I got enough in my bag to deliver three plates of food that are on a completely different level to what I've done before? And... All of the competitions that I've judged now, I'm about to go and start filming my eighth series. Um, every single year is different. But there was a young chef, Craig, who happens to work for me because he he was very young at the time. He was 21 when he won. And he said to me, we were in France on the away trip, and he said, what, what what's winning MasterChef all about? And he was, the, he was in the final three. So he was in the final. Mm. And he said, what's winning MasterChef all about? And I said, well, it's about showing me something I've not seen before. Take your food to a whole new level. He said, afterwards, he told me, he said, I couldn't get that sentence out of my head for a week. And I had just over a week to come up with two dishes that took my food to another level. I swear, as I sit here in front of you, he blew the judges away. He took his food to a whole new place. I've never seen a competitor ever do that before. They've all managed to do great food, but to take three dishes where all three judges are, that's the winner, hands down. It was just beautiful and it was brilliant lovely lovely to see and it's uh, it's not very often that that happens so sort of either in your restaurant or on the show what impresses you i think how that impresses me in general or well just what impresses you like you know is it like you said that he's just brought out this unbelievable Mm. meal out of the bag he's completely turned it all around but like what is it that could I mean I know you mentioned earlier you know I know that you're sort of about the skills and things like that but like what really impresses you at at the stage that you're at as a chef you know where you are in life like in terms of food or if I was to put something on the table for you like what impresses you that you might that, that you don't get to see every day or you know, it could be it could be flavour. It could be the execution of. I think it's the humility of food. I think it's the people people that cook food. It's the it's the humbleness of cookery mm. and the giving of, of a dish. You're cooking a dish right behind you. I can smell it. It's bobbling away gently, not too far. <laughs> well, it's, I, keep, it's, I keep hearing it. And I'm still nervous. <laughs> um, that is, if you deliver that with confidence tonight to your friends and you're happy, 
then you you've done something very special for for your friends and for yourself and i think when i see that that can be on the masterchef studio it could be in my restaurant it could be in someone else's restaurant it all comes in many many mm. different ways i go to restaurants and i eat out all the time and i know when i'm eating food if that dish or that menu has been delivered with real passion and thought and an understanding of what the, the chef is trying to achieve. I couldn't agree more with yeah. you. I always talk about this. I actually say, what, for me, the way that I show how I love you as a friend, husband, whatever, is I cook for you. Mm. Because I put my time in. As you, like, yeah. you're here, you can vouch for me. I've been it here all great. day cooking. But I don't think it is just food with you. I think it has a lot to do with your drinks trolley. <laughs> because it's the most impressive drink trolley I've ever seen in anyone's house. I mean, it's... It's, I actually think I just want to stay here this uh, afternoon. I did, I did <laughs> and, offer, and, you, I did offer you, did. you a drink. And there's lots to choose from. That's impressive. I've also got stuff in the freezer. I and in the, I, and I saw and the, the fridge. Yeah. I saw the rosé. <laughs> I saw the champagne in there. Can, can we just... You're just well prepped. Side note, I am not a raving alcoholic, no. all right? That, that's a, that, no, you're not. You're not. <laughs> Well, I'm not so sure. Well, <laughs> it looks good. To be fair, a lot of them aren't even open. I noticed. Well, um, you've just moved in, haven't you? You've not well, even been here yeah, a year. Yeah, I know, but I did, have a, I did have a bit of a party a couple of weeks ago. That's so good, some, some of them have had a bit of a dent put in. But yeah, I mean. You don't see that often. That is really? so. That is brilliant. I love that. But do you know what? I've kind of replicated my parents. Yes. My parents have a drinks trolley. I just love it. I just love the idea of a drinks but trolley. But do you know what worries me is that <laughs> you live on one floor and that's got wheels and that goes all around this house. Well, Bedroom, uh, bathroom, after, living after a room. Few drinks, I might be going around <laughs> to people. The little dolly, it. dolly. It's great. <laughs> um, I have. I've obviously spoken to a few chefs in my sort of short period as a podcaster, and one of the greatest conversations, and something that actually just blew me away because of the simplicity of it, is that someone talked to me about how they. Um, I, not, not the word audition, but when they interview a chef, yep. right, to come yep. into their um, to come into their kitchen, and I I think this was must have been an Italian chef because he said, "I will know." Like they've done the process, he's pretty sure he's going to take this guy on. Yeah, I want you to make me a pasta with tomato sauce. Okay, because if you can't make a pasta and tomato sauce. <laughs> in an Italian kitchen, yeah. then you shouldn't be in, yeah, in my should. kitchen. Yeah. Um, is there anything that you kind of do with some of your guys? I I judge, I don't ask them to cook a dish. Okay. Um, I've never, never done that. I like to see a chef come and spend some time with us and I mm. look for how they walk and talk and act. Really? More than how they cook, yeah. I think your personality, your persona, the way you carry yourself, I think is really, really, really important. That's interesting. Really important. I want to see how you wear your whites. I want to see if they're pressed. I want to see if you're clean shaven, whether your hair's back, whether you've even decided to bring a hat with you. Just wow, basic, okay. basic things. Do you know who you are? Do you know what you are? I'm a soldier to my chef's jacket. And if you're going to be in my industry, then I expect you to wear your uniform with pride. So forget the dish. That comes next. For me, it's all about how you present yourself. Oh, I love that. Yeah. That's so interesting. Mm. That there, there must be a psychology, like psychological thing behind that. I, I don't know. I don't. I, well, my my dad. One thing my dad taught me to do. He's taught me many many things. In fact, he's taught me everything. Is you know, shake someone's hand, shake it properly. Mm-hmm. Shake it like you mean it. Yeah. And it's the same None of sort these of little thing. Weak yeah, sort of it's the same yep. sort of thing. Totally. Uh, and and the cooking will come. You're not in my kitchen to be the best chef you're in a kitchen to be part of my team mm. and you'll become part of the team and we'll show you the ropes mm. um i'd like to think that you can cook otherwise you'll be a <laughs> chef <laughs> i'm not sure what you're doing here. exactly 
I love that. I'm actually going to sort of, I might use that in my life in sort of other ways. I mean, I agree with you. I, I, I'm very good with like intuition. Like I'll know straight away if like we're going to get on. Mm. Like the moment you walked in or like the way that you say hello, I'm like, yeah, okay, we're going to be okay. Mm. This isn't going to be weird and awkward. And trust me, there have been a few people who walked through and it's all been a bit on edge and I don't know why. Do you know, how, do you know how I know we're similar? Because your house is immaculate. <laughs> I love this. I think it's oh, great. I, I mean, it's probably I am the a same little bit of OCD. I'm the same. And I'm proud of that. Yeah, I'm yeah. exactly oh, the yeah. same. But also, I feel like I've just... Well, I've been brought up in a very, very immaculate house. But also, I've grown up in a house that, um, growing up as a child, my mum used to host a lot. They loved doing dinner parties. I'm sure, I'm sure she would love to cook yeah. for you one day, a proper Iranian meal. <laughs> but every, I remember, as we were preparing for the dinner party, I'd have to go around, make sure everything was looking good, light all mm. the candles, get everything yeah. looking great. And I was included in those parties, which was a big thing for me, and I'm so glad I got that. There was no kids' tables in my life. I would be offended if I'd be, I'd be put onto a kids' table. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I'd be like this eight-year-old sitting with all the 40-year-olds. I'd love it. So when you actually you were talking about your childhood, and because I didn't ask you at the time, but when you were talking about how you didn't necessarily have like friendship groups, hmm. you must have been quite mature from a young age. I think I was, I think, because I spent more time, I spent a lot of time with adults. Yeah, and that's and, the same and, as my, and, my yeah, childhood. You're the same, and I, and I know your dad, but I know no matter where I've been in London and that your dad is in that room, he will always make an effort to yeah. come and say hello, take a quick picture. Even if he doesn't use it, he'll take a picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll make himself known. He's polite yeah. and you're the same. And yeah, so there's a level of hosp- hospitality, yeah. hospitable, friendly, courteous. And I think all those things are really important, e- even in the kitchen. Yeah, absolutely. Going back to how you watch your chefs walk around. That's right. So you recently released your ninth cookbook, Marcus's Kitchen. Talk to me a little bit about that. That was a book I wrote uh, with my wife in lockdown, and it was based around how I cook at home. So uh, all of my books have been based around me wearing a chef's jacket, but the book has always been about home cookery. But you've always got your chef's hat on. In lockdown, you haven't got your chef's hat on. You've got you're at home and you're locked in and you're doing whatever you're doing. Cooking two, three meals a day is something I've never done. I've never cooked so much at home in all my life. But there's always been, I've always been over the shoulder of someone in the kitchen. You know, I came in here today and we looked underneath the lid of your mm. thing. And as soon as I saw it, it was slightly cooking just a little bit too fast. Turn it down and you, it will be, the meat will be moister. It'll be better. It'll taste better. I do the same with my wife and my children. Yeah. So they've become really good cooks. But when I go into the kitchen, they're always watching what I do. And so the book came about by all those little tidbits that I've been giving my wife over the years, she wanted to continue that and say, right, I'm now watching you cook. And they started writing these notes, my wife and my daughter actually. And they started taking down the things that I take for granted, which is why I turn it down, why I season it there, why I turn it, what's caramelization. And so giving that information over was how the book came about. It's the most basic book I've I've written, but yet the most informative Mm. and the most interesting. And I think also, I mean... Because it's genuinely written on the hoof of, on the hoof of how absolutely. I cook. Absolutely. But I also think, you know, coming out of what, you know, has been a bit of a wild couple years, I think a lot of people have finally um, become familiar with their kitchens, yeah. which they may not have, Before. you know, beforehand. And yeah. so a book like that... Well, it's true. ...is great. And you may not cook every day. Not everyone has time. And I know there's convenience food. I know the world we live in and how difficult mm. and the price of everything is. But every now and again, just treat yourself and spend a little bit of time. It's like fresh air. Going out now, mental welfare, 
it's important to get some, some, some fresh air, get a little bit of sunshine on your face and, and just makes you feel better a little bit because it's been tough. Totally. Um, so what are your specialities at home? In the kitchen? Yeah. Uh, it's interesting because our family all have our own sector section. Okay. Right. So Jane's is, is her, her go-to. Well, actually, it's a lot of things. She's amazing at salads, but she makes great curries. She loves following recipes, she loves weighing out things, and she follows it to the T, and she gets it absolutely spot on. Jake, my eldest son, uh, he is the burger chef, the steak chef. Nice. Great steak sauce. So good to have one of those in the family. Knows how to cook. Uh, um, Archie, 17, he is the breakfast chef. Oh, wow. Stunning omelettes, great eggs, great bacon. Okay. Does it beautifully, beautifully well. Um, but I have to say, his omelette and scrambled eggs are pretty knockout. Really? Yeah, and little Jess, who's well, little, she's 14, um, she's the star baker. Okay. So we've got the complete kitchen. Oh my God, yeah. I want to be at your house. And as I far as I, as, and, and then myself. Yeah, well, what, I, where do you fit into I, this? I'm, I'm just good at everything in the kitchen. <laughs> I did a you lot. You have to say that. I, I, I am the best cleaner-upper, washer-upper you can imagine. <laughs> Me too. I hoover around everyone. I know. I'm every, just the kitchen porter on it. I've never looked inside a dishwasher so much in all my life as I've done in the last two years. I know every nook and cranny of it. Literally. You're probably Driving like, you're, you could Driving probably up. fit it. And like, you could probably put more bits into a dishwasher these days than you did years ago. Proper stacker. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, that's actually my dad's job as well at home, <laughs> funnily enough. Okay, so you have just launched your new show on BBC Two, mm. Marcus Waring's Tales from a Kitchen yeah. Garden. Now, I obviously know about it, but for anyone that might not, what do we what are we expecting? Okay, so I I often get judged as this fierce, forceful chef on Master Chef, but I've been very disciplined to my trade and who I am as a person, respectful to my industry, and so I can become quite from a visual point of view quite a cold character necessary or sometimes people see of a one dimension cook and to to a certain extent when I put a white jacket on I am I'm very much who I am in that jacket but outside of there outside of that I am a father I, I am I am a husband and I love gardening I love growing and I love my job I love cooking at home but I've never understood the world of the grower, the the farmer, the producer, mm. and I often people say, "Well, if you know the suppliers, you must you must see your suppliers. You must go." I've never been to any supply chain in my kitchens ever. Really? No, never. The kitchen, the supplier came to me, yeah. came to my back door. I looked at the product, I ordered it myself. Yeah, I looked yeah. at it. If it was good, I kept it and cooked with it. If it wasn't, it went back. Change it. I want it. Yeah. And I was brutal like that with my supply chain, but I never got to know them. And that was the world I lived in because I believed the chef, and I still believe this today. A chef should be in his kitchen. And every now and again, I mean, with social media now, you can see everything. Mm. But when I was coming through the trade, we didn't have that, you know, that that luxury. So the show, I have a small holding in East Sussex. I'm very lucky to have stumbled across this beautiful place um, four and a half years ago. It's 65 acres of land, oh, wow. kitchen garden, orchard, bees, um, and just a beautiful area to, to be. But I've now brought it back to life. So there's 10 shows and they've all got a different theme. So I'm looking for cow, the, 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 the sort of the, the best cows I can bring to the, to the farm, the, the small holding, the, the sheep, the, 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 the mangalitsa pig, which is like the, royal, the royalty of pigs. The mangalitsa pig is like the wagyu of beef. It is a Hungarian pig. It's got a fur coat. It's quite oh, unusual. Fat. Yeah, it looks like a wild boar. Oh my God. These have a fat content that is incredible. Flowers, herbs, 
growing winter veg, summer veg. So I'm going on a journey of finding artisan suppliers and I'm bringing the animals and the plants back to my land. I've got a farmer who looks after the land. So we've got three, you know, I've got sheep on there. I've got two pigs. I've got two beautiful longhorn cows, ducks. The ducks have had it. The foxy's got the ducks. Oh, no. Yeah. Peking duck. I thought Peking duck was a dish. I know. It's not. It's actually a duck. It's a breed of duck. A Peking duck. What? Yeah. Stop it. No, it's a it's a Peking duck. I, I could I not I couldn't believe this. <laughs> I thought it was a Chinese dish. What are you talking but about? It, I thought it was too. No, it's from, a, but it's from Peking. No, it is a, it is a type of duck that is bred for eating. It is a incredible, but unfortunately for the ducks, well, these ducks that. are bred for eating. Like a lot of animals, some of the majority of animals are bred for eating. They they don't they don't go to water. They live in houses right. and they, they, these have got the most incredible life. They get great food. They, they, they live on this beautiful area. They get brought in at night. The three I got live on a pond. But because they are bred to, to, to be eaten, they, 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 they're quite waddly. They have very large breasts okay. and they can't fly. <laughs> yeah. So they've got no chance of getting away. Because wow. as they're waddling yeah, along, yeah. Mr. Fox is much oh, quicker. God. I know. I know, I know, I know. Sad time. Tastes good though. I bet it did. <laughs> Aside from your own, where are some of your favourite restaurants to eat at? I, oh, God, so many. Um, it's half term this week, so I'm taking my kids to Roka. We love Japanese oh, food. yes. Um, I love Helen de Rose at the Connaught, three-star yes. Michelin. I had a meal recently in a place called Moore Hall in the northwest in Ormskirt, Mark Birchall. Absolute incredible meal. Moore Hall. If you're ever up that northwest yeah, area. okay. Give it a look. Give it okay. a shot. Superb. Love fine dining. Yeah. But if it's a quick go-to, in Wimbledon Village, there's an IV. Yeah. I always Easy, pop yeah. in. Easy, great yeah. food. Always consistent. Yeah. Lovely service. Love it. Amazing. Right. We're coming towards the end of this little conversation. Actually, what a wonderful I know, conversation. I know. It's been great. So we could go on for ages. I always end with a few quick fire questions. Mm. So this podcast is sponsored by Gorillas. If you were at home cooking a meal, yeah. um, what are the three items that you are going to order immediately to kind of... That I need. That you might need. You need to just whip up something. What are your three key ingredients? Molden salt. Tick. Best salt ever. You've got some over there. Love it. Um, fresh fish or meat. Yeah. Has to be fresh from a good supplier. Mm-hmm. And rose. <laughs> Bottle of rose. I've got it all. I know. I've got I, it all. I'm in a perfect house. I'm literally your soulmate. I love having a little glass when I'm cooking. Absolutely. I love it. I just, think it also heightens the taste buds a just, little, right? Okay. That's, we'll convince ourselves that's <laughs> yeah, exactly. what it does. <laughs> okay. What is the craziest food you've ever eaten? Craziest food. Craziest food. Gosh. Ants. Lovely. Yeah. Nice. No, weird. In where, a dish. where did you have those? It was Rennie Red Zeppi when he came to Claridge's Hotel I you were many years say it. ago. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and it was like they were making this whole amazing like. I remember uh, when like, he came to Claridge's actually. And we were sat, I was sat with a lot of restaurant people. Yeah. And everyone was going, "Wow, just taste them!" And we're being told what the taste is, what the flavour is. And yeah. You, and you, I'm sitting there as a chef, thinking, "This is an amazing chef. He is one of the best in the world." Blah blah blah. Great, mm-hmm. but ants, Empress New Clothes for me. Mm. I can give that a miss. Yeah. Haven't tried, don't think I will. Don't bother. What's been your most memorable meal? Recently, I've got to say Mark Birchall, Moorhall. Stunning, right. stunning. We'll Love the journey. Love the journey from start to finish. Um, I've been to a few restaurants here in London. Tom Sellers had a great meal there recently. Claude Bosey. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have to say Moorhall, probably because 
it's not in my hometown and it's a destination. And the day after I popped in to see my dad, which is really quite oh, cool. Oh, lovely. Big surprise. Didn't know oh. I was coming. Yeah, it's quite cool. Um, I can't believe I'm asking this to a Michelin star chef. Go on then. Um, but my favourite snack of all time is a packet of crisps. What is your favourite flavour of crisps and salt, why? Salt and vinegar. Nice. Love it, love it, You've love it. You've got to give me a bit more though. Are we talking um, like a thick kettle chip? Are we talking a Walkers? I, I've got to go with Walkers. That's yeah. simple. You know, the, I, you know, I love, to the point. I love the flavours. I love all, I love crisps in general. You know, Good. growing up, Monster Munch, that was just salt and vinegar. Yeah. My favourite yeah. flavour of all time. Yeah. Everyone now knows this. They're brilliant. Pickled onion Monster Munch are hands down the best crisp to ever be invented. Quite special. Incredible. Yeah. There's not enough in a packet. Never enough in a packet. They've also changed the recipe slightly and they're bigger. I don't okay. like that. But they're great on a hangover. I mean, <laughs> Just like, absorb the alcohol. absolute gold. <laughs> <laughs> what food sums up happiness for you? Any food that's shared with family mm. uh, and friends. Anything that is on a table that you can sit and have great company. Um, happiness, I probably would say, I think it has to be a roast dinner because yeah. those are my happiest memories. Absolutely. With family. And final question, mm. live to eat or eat to live? Both. Ooh. It has to be both. Plot twist. Because I am both. I do both. Okay. Both those things are life to me. Okay, so are you saying that obviously live to eat because... I love food. I eat it in moderation. I Fine, try okay. everything. But food is my life. So yeah. most people wake up and have food. Food is their fuel. It's what they have to do. We need it to survive. But it is also everything to my world and it's mm. everything to me. It's beyond staying alive. Mm. It's it's my heart. It's my soul. It's who I am. And I love discovering it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm on this journey of discovery of suppliers at the moment. I've done this show... It comes out, you know, I'm really excited. I put a huge amount of energy into it, but the learning curve for me and the journey I went on, meeting great people, the suppliers, the farmers, I thought I had a hard job. Go and be a farmer, go and be a supplier. Wow, they're battling with the elements. Mm. And, um, you know, if we can support them as much as we can, just buying a little bit of local, it just all helps. Oh, Marcus, this was an absolute pleasure. Thank you, I'm, thank you so my much pleasure. for coming over to my house. Thank you for giving me a few um, cookery tips. Good luck thank with you. the show. Good luck with anything that you do. Good luck with the new season. Please watch it. Please of, tune in. Please, of course. Because I think you, you, you know me as the chef, so now see me in my back garden. I like that, though. We're going to see another side yeah. to you. Um, you can follow Marcus on social media at Marcus Waring. And until next time, bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in. If you love what you hear, please subscribe and review. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Crazy Sexy Food and check out the Crazy Sexy Food YouTube channel. Until next time, bye.